Welcome to Savage Beast. Uh, I'm Joe Gallagher uh, here in Portland, Oregon, and down in Tucson, Arizona. Put some respect on his name, Paul McLeod. Hello, everybody. It is May 1st, 2016. And there is no new Radiohead album yet. Yeah, that's a good point. It's actually May 2nd over there, and there's still none. It's bullshit. When it turns May 2nd here, there will be. I don't know. Um, if so, it'll happen while we're recording this podcast. Uh, yes. You will witness us witnessing it in real time. But. Yes, and indeed, we will know within 20 seconds, as will any of the 34 people following our Twitter account, um, because I set up a script to do that. Yes, we delayed, delayed the podcast 20 minutes so Paul could hacksaw uh, <laughs> this amazing uh, feat <laughs> of um, uh, instant... Uh, gratification. Yeah. I mean, it's checked 65 times now and has found no new uh, information. Nice. um, Yeah. Nice. Um, Um. (laughs) So, okay, so we opened uh, this episode with uh, uh, the local natives uh, just released new song, Past Lives, um, and which is exciting because local natives are a fucking great indie band indie rock band i mean one of the best one of the most unique um their album gorilla manor that's i was thinking about this it might be my favorite indie rock album from the 2000s isn't it from the 2010s or are you saying since the year 2000? 2010s i'm sorry 2010s yeah. yes correct correct yeah yeah um it's real good i like the first one just as much too actually no, Gorilla Manor is the first one. Okay, what's the second one? <laughs> uh, it's called. Um, I don't remember the names of things, so I know you're so. Is that you're like? Then I have to be your. Uh, it's called Hummingbird, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. they're both really good. I love both of those albums. Yeah. Thank you. I, um, in fact, one time when we were chatting, I you I told you that Gorilla Manor is a really great band. And you were like, what? And then we had to figure out that I meant local natives. Oh yeah. That was a very confusing conversation. I remember that. Well, I will say that, um, the track feels like a natural evolution from them. I've always thought they should get a little heavier. Um, I'm worried that they would get too ethereal and spacey and light and kind of like abandon, abandon all choruses and just kind of, harmonize into pure nothing (laughs) um but this this, there's a there's a real beat to this um but it's 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 a good sign that their um hopeful forthcoming album will be real damn good it sounded a little more 80s ish to me in the way that a lot of music has lately yeah Um, which that's cool um yeah yeah so local natives uh i have to a shout out to my wife, Alex, letting me record this on her computer. Uh, since our uh, beloved 11-year-old Puggle pissed all over my computer, uh, <laughs> just soaked. Uh, there is still today, a uh, um, uh, good 48 hours later, uh, the computer still inverted, and there's still dog piss le- leaking out of it. Uh, you might as well just, just give up. That computer is fucked. <laughs> it's, I am getting the desk. It will turn on and give me the death screen. So like, that's hopeful to uh, me. I'm like, the screen is powering up. 
<laughs> yeah, it just means that <laughs> at least thirty percent of the systems are this not is, completely that's not etched zero. by uric acid. That's not zero. <laughs> um, so that's this is. Um, fortunately, we have identical computers, so this isn't an issue. Um, so you haven't tried uh, uh, rescuing the hard drive yet. It's a solid state hard drive, so I don't even know how to go about that. Uh, yeah. But I'll probably have to bring it to the Mac people. Yeah. Um, it's not even. will be like, oh, another piss computer. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time. Um, usually, uh, usually at frat parties. Yeah. <laughs> usually on purpose. Um, <clears throat> anyway, on to music. Yes. Um, what Paul? We have a lot to di- we have a lot to discuss. Let's talk about Radiohead first. Um, yeah. Their album they whited out all their um, social media uh, and websites so that uh, it would more closely last uh, match their listening audience. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well done, Joe. <laughs> I bet you came up with that just now. I did. I did. Oh, okay. Somehow okay, I wow. did. That's it's a new <laughs> record for me. Um, uh, I actually thought of a joke right uh, at the appropriate time to tell it. Um, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. This this podcast is good for me in that regard. Um, uh, no, they seem to be, uh, as you said, Paul, uh, they're experts at this. Um, and didn't you say that? You said that to me earlier today. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a quality little uh get everybody to pay attention to us uh uh, maneuver on their part yeah and there's a it's a crowded field of surprise album drops with beyonce drake now chance the rapper uh suddenly uh saying his is coming very soon um so there's a lot of big name surprise albums out there yeah yeah the beyonce one was one of those uh it blew up my phone things Mm. Mm mm-hmm um, so Paul, what, let me ask you this question. Um, what, like, where are Radiohead, um, in their career? Like, is, yeah. is there a precedent for this? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So there've been aging, uh, pop artists who have produced great music. Um, true. Uh, certainly Scott Walker's later output is very well regarded, although I don't particularly get that into it um who else people were excited when brian wilson finally released uh, smile hmm. okay i'm just so this is obviously just one dimension along which we yes. match artists with radiohead yes um uh i'm just so i'm just trying to use this as a first filter um i don't know who else is old uh has long been very well critically regarded and um could potentially still at the age of 50-ish, be producing uh, vital work um, or has produced vital work into their 50s. I mean, the the vital work as defined by uh, its, you know, artistically meaningful good music, I mean, that's that's kind of a wide... Um, that's a, there's a yeah. wide array of artists in that. I guess you've got your David Burns and Brian Eno. Yeah, and- but when you use that word vital... And yeah. you ask whether anyone is um, interested, you know, it's, it still mm-hmm. captures, um, you know, a, a noticeable portion of the public's imagination. Yeah. Um, it's then it starts to really yeah, get to the point where I, I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe... Let's see. John Lennon didn't make it this far. Right. He, uh, he died at, he was 40 when he died. Y- yeah. The Rolling Stones were pretty much, nobody gave a shit about them in 1990 artistically too much. Right. Yes. They were, they were in the stage where peop, their releases are uh, still a big deal commercially and like culturally, yeah. but not artistically. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, like my little sister, texted me today to tell me about the Radiohead whiteout um, after you had done so, Joe, wow. so don't worry. You you did your duty. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so, so but, but, but like fucking David Byrne, if he announces, if he starts doing something weird with his website, I'm not getting a text from my sister about right. it. Right, yes, <laughs> yes. 
Um, so, I mean, here's my, here's the way that I was thinking about it, that I think if you consider, um, the artistic aspect of having a band, like you, like you take a band as an artistic form, mm-hmm. whatever that band is playing, um, I think Radiohead have mastered that art in a way that actually no one else has because mm. we're at the point where they could continue to you know release work as Radiohead probably until you know, a majority of them are dead (laughs) and that work would be considered, um, an important artistic event the way like a painter, you know, a modernist painter up until he's 85, you know, his new show of his new work is Mm -hmm. important and, um, sometimes very good. Uh, and I think Radiohead are at that point as a band, and I just don't think any other band made it there. I think I think they could forge this path. I think you're right that it would be singular. I think how this album fares uh, critically will determine whether that happens. Because uh, I would argue they're actually coming off of. I mean, I don't. I think most people would argue that the King of Limbs was good music, but it's not. Like if they produced, if everything they produced it from here on out was the King of Limbs quality, I think they would, they would fade into sort of a, uh, a, you know, respected by the cognoscenti but culturally irrelevant band, um, right? Pretty fast. Well, I would say, I mean, the evidence. There's some evidence that, like, um, I'm sure you could measure this more scientifically, but it seems to me that this release is as big a deal as the release of King of Limbs and um, right. that, but I'm, I'm saying, saying King, this of, one, King of Limbs didn't impact this. Well, so my, what I'm, what I'm arguing is if they have then two straight albums that are regarded as good, but not like landmarks, then mm. they sort of fade into becoming a, a niche act for, for right. um, real fans and, and people who are just really into music, but not right. Pitchfork probably isn't leading too many more stories. I mean, I guess most news days are slow news days, so maybe they are leading. Well, Pitchfork is, but not other. Yeah, people outside of that. Yeah, I think Radiohead albums will always be news at Pitchfork. That's true. Um, I will make, but yeah, yeah, outside of that bubble. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think you're right that this kind of the alternative to what I said was that they just kind of extended that critical peak longer than most bands and have a like then slower decline from it. Yeah. Um, And, and you know, they're like we said, they're bands like, um, shit. Uh, what's a band that's still producing stuff? I mean, like it's not a band anymore, but like when David Byrne releases something, yeah, people who are into the kind of music you and I are into, uh, definitely check it out and are excited. Yes. Um, Brian, Brian Eno, it's yeah. a good example. Like no one, like his new album. Uh, have you listened to it yet? No, I haven't. Fucking good. It, Only four songs. Some of oh. them are twenty minutes long. <laughs> yes, I have no problem with that. Um, it's hella. Um, it's hella good. Um, and um, uh, but yeah, that I think he's an example of someone who like I really care about, but like it's not a big deal when Brian Eno's record comes out at all. Exactly. And I think, so I think if this album is regarded, you know, as not like, Oh my God, they are the best band still. Um, then I think that's sort of where they're headed. Um, yeah. and possibly they decide to break up and Tom just produces weird electronic music, which his last album was really good. His last solo album was really good anyway. So that's fine with me. Tomorrow's modern, um, tomorrow's modern boxes. Yes, yeah. I love that, that was great. Um, and he does um, do it more. Um, yeah, Eddie closed. But if this, yeah. if this is close to in rainbows, okay, computer kid A quality, um, uh, then we're then we're really in uncharted, unprecedented stuff because yeah. uh, um, they're they'll just have hand, have held the mantle of most critically acclaimed rock act for probably longer than it was. And I mean, granted, oh, yeah. they put, 
four plus years between each album. So it sort of subsides in between, but every time they come back, they get it. Um, yeah. Except for, you know, I mean, and I will say one more thing about it, which is uh, it's already really impressive what they've done in that before in rainbows came out, I had decided, Oh, they'll never be as good as they once were. And I, we probably already discussed this, but the fact that that album was as good as it was, is already completely fucking amazing. Considering yes. it was released like, what was that uh 15 years after their first album right and several stylistic shifts since then so um, right and now like 25 years later you know i guess 24 years uh yeah it would be um pretty it would be completely unprecedented in probably the rock and roll to have like not stopped that entire 24 years releasing amazing Mm -hmm. music um so no pressure on radiohead (laughs) i i still i (laughs) i think it would be uh you know it would be a bummer that we didn't get another great radio album but i think it would be hilarious if my joke from earlier today were true and this was just them uh breaking up the band they didn't even say anything they just faded everything to white and deleted all their posts that 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 would be amazing (laughs) um and not i would not i would not want to bet against you like I think that's it's, it's possible, just likely enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm not betting on that, but there's you know a five percent chance that's what's happening. Yes. Um, uh, all right, let's move on. I had a whole intro. I had a different. I wanted to go a whole different direction and compare them to like Miles Davis and his career, but uh, that'll give. Mm. We'll get we'll get too much in the weeds. Um, much less. But cocaine. I think they're <laughs> hopefully uh, a lot more <laughs> vegan food. Um, but there's some interesting non-rock parallels to what Radiohead's doing. And I think that's worth exploring at a different time. Um, okay. Paul, you, can you tease, can you tease it so I can get excited? Just what are some names you had in mind? You don't have to go into it. Uh, Picasso is, is that's, that's a big one. Um, Miles Davis. Um, and then I, I needed a third. I need a third. Um, Jeremy, (laughs) <laughs> His longevity <laughs> is impressive. Um, uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Actually, you probably could go with some directors. Um, yes, like, yes, some totally, totally. Um, yeah. Uh, what Scorsese or somebody like that? What, I mean, what porn does Radiohead watch? That's the question. Uh, <laughs> don't uh, don't answer that question. Uh, I I wonder, you know, I bet Tom thinks regular porn is super unethical. I, I would be surprised if he watched it. I, I agree. Well, it's certainly not vegan. Um, and I think that <laughs> they would object to that. Um, oh man, don't follow that logic anywhere. Don't follow it anywhere. <laughs> I, I, I just already censored myself. Don't worry. Me too. Um, so, Paul, you, you uh, uh, corrected your sin from last week and listened to Beyonce's new album. Yes. Uh, um, I what did are that your today. thoughts? What are your thoughts on uh, Lemonade? It's really good, and I hope that um, uh, people do as as we admonish them and uh, start talking about the music. And uh, because it's interesting to me as a um, as a way to figure out how to um, do something interesting in the R and B genre. Um, because, I mean, 90 f- R&B is not my favorite genre. Um, I did pick uh, Division's album as one of my favorites of the first quarter. And uh, it's just because it's a really good exemplar of the standard form. Right. And this is sort of, uh, you know, it's not just R&B. It's R&B, pop, whatever. There's a, some rock in there. Um but uh, she does manage to make some really weird music that fits within that paradigm, and that's cool, uh, especially for somebody as big as she is. Um, not, uh, not all of it is uh, super perfect. I wouldn't say this is going to be one of my favorite albums ever or anything, but it's definitely, if somebody said this was their favorite album this year, I probably wouldn't really argue with them. Um, and so, uh, it doesn't- yeah, good for her doing interesting things it doesn't have a lot of flaws i mean that you know it it, it's uh interesting and engaging uh 
and moving from start to finish. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And, yeah. And last oh. week I kind of dissed the Jack White song on it. Um, but yeah, I don't know why you it, did that. I, no, that it, immediately I loved it. It came song. on the radio <laughs> today and I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, I love this is great. Like, this is just uh, it, it sounds so different from what was on the radio, like before and after it that yeah. I just and it. Oh, but then at the same time, it fit It's like on the indie rock station and it fit with that. Um, yeah. So, uh, no, she gives a great vocal performance on that yeah. song. Uh, like, like, uh, I definitely believe her when she's screaming, who the, uh, uh, who the fuck do you think I am? Which is, uh, yep. I mean, I was, I was cowed. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. <laughs> um, um, and the, I presume Jack White pre- contributed like the baseline, which is an excellent sort of funk rock baseline. Um, if he didn't, then shouts to whoever did that. Um, yeah, it sounded like him. It even really sounded, it sounded kind of yeah. like his drumming, um, style, uh, yeah. or like the kind of drums he likes. So I feel like it was at least a band at his direction that did yeah. all the, all that. Yeah. Um, um, there's other good stuff. You mentioned the country song, which is really good. Yeah. It turns out uh, it's not even it's not even that different from mainstream country. It's just a good melody and a little bit of extra hip hop swagger and some bass, and all of a sudden, country modern country sounds way the fuck better. And that Beyonce <laughs> probably like if she was just a country singer would be in like the top like 10th or fifth, you know, they, she'd be in the 95th percentile of country singers. Yeah. Cause she's just that good. Yeah. She is really good. Um, and, uh, also, uh, I enjoy the, the switch up in, um, connotations of a black person singing in a country song about, uh, shooting guns versus a white person yeah. singing in a country song about no, shooting that's guns. That's true. Just, that is true comes across very differently for uh many obvious cultural reasons um and uh how you feel about that probably says a lot about whether you're in the tea party or a bernie bro um but um uh yeah so that was that was pretty cool i dig that song there's a song where she sound where she sounds like grimes um to the point that i thought she probably was trying to sound like grimes um yeah just a very good album. Yeah. Start to finish. Well, we've established that Radiohead is good and that Beyonce is good. Uh, uh-huh. We're really breaking a lot of ground on this podcast today. I know. Let's let's talk about... Yeah. Um, Wait, hold up. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, I want to drop in here two minutes. I've seen two amazing concerts recently, and I just want to I want to give a micro review of both. Um, yeah, please. A couple weeks ago, I uh, had a chance to see Frankie Cosmos, uh right after we recorded our best of 2016 so far podcast. Um, she was fantastic live, uh, and really made me rethink my evaluation of her as kind of like a super awkward. Um, I now think she's just super earnest. Um, Mm. and it was very powerful. Some of her songs had this, um, uh, urgency live, um, that's on the record, but I didn't, I didn't catch it until, you know, everything was a little louder and faster, um, and she told a the she told a running story uh, during the concert about how uh, she had shit her pants that day and was pl- <laughs> playing wearing no underwear um, and kept <laughs> offering to like sell her underwear uh, from the garbage can, um, which was. Wait, 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 do you think this is true? I think I this, think it was one hundred percent true. Um, or she does she said shit she, her pants before every show maybe. so she can tell the no, story? No, she said she'd eaten a huge burrito at the uh, at the at the food food cart pod, um, which is a Portland thing, uh, across the street from the uh, venue. So, <laughs> um, and and I bought a copy of a re- her record from Greta Klein personally, uh, which Very you know, well done. always fun to do. But she was great, and I th- I realized that there's. Um, she has a Stephen Malcolmus like quality to turn any song idea into something really catchy. Um, mm. And that's it's it's I hadn't really thought of it that way before. So um, great show. And that record just keeps going up my list of like favorite records um, for, you know, the current. Yeah. Current year or so. Um, what you said about it 
uh, feeling different live. Maybe that's because, you know, recorded, it's very lo-fi. Um, so live, it might actually be a higher fidelity. And I can imagine that giving it a very yeah. different feel. The full band helped. Um, mm. This is a full band on the record, but just that that is a little tighter. Um, yeah. And then last night, uh, I went and saw Bleached, um, which there... Uh, poppy alternative 90s rock uh was uh also on your best yes quarter uh it was uh heavy and tight and destructive live and they were fucking Mm. awesome uh the people were just bouncing up and down and singing along the whole time um and uh i love what a band they just really had their shit together and they were having a fun time they were like crowd surfing and you know, writhing on the ground and you know, their opening punk band was coming out and singing with them. Um, and, uh, it was a, uh, that sh- it was fucking great. Like both Alex and I were like, Oh my God, this was just, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, and, and, you know, I, I hate to diss another band, but actually I don't care. But like I saw chastity belt at the same venue and mm-hmm. the, just the energy, the, Bleach had like five times more energy and it just really showed, you know, when a band is not just kind of like fucking around, yeah. but they, they come out with a mission to, uh, destroy you, you know, yeah. that's something the smashing pumpkins were good at, you know, they, they took their, you know, they, they wanted you to think this was the best show you'd seen all year. And that, you know, I always appreciate that quality in a band. Yeah. I mean, I can understand why bands get sick of doing the same shit uh, three to four nights a week and traveling around and living in vans and whatever. But on the other hand, they're in a rock band. Um, it's a, I personally, uh, as a person who likes to travel and loves music, I can't imagine that would be more dull than doing digital marketing all day at a computer. Yeah, so exactly. Enjoy yourselves, embrace the party and, uh, just consider it a new crowd every night who gets to uh, to experience your awesomeness. Well, and I think the I think the the best live bands go a step beyond that, and just not just like oh, we got to make this fresh for the crowd, but like you know they they, I guess they see it as a as a, a mission, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like embrace the party. Like you can party the same way many times, and it's still a pretty fucking great time. Yes. And, that's a good way. I mean, obviously, that doesn't work for every band. Some bands are very serious, but yeah. if you're def- definitely if you're in a, a a punkish band, then then um, that's the best way to be. I think. Yes, totally. Um, uh, okay, so those were t- my two show reviews. Uh, yeah, one of these days I will see a show. I know. I'm excited I will be able to tell you what it is like to see live music. Uh, um, did you buy your Vince Staples tickets? Oh yeah, I bought those. Um, Shortly after, I might have even bought them before a discussion. That might have been just for show. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. Well, that that'll be a good review. It's all lies. Um, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll be doing that on the twelfth. Nice. Low these eleven days hence. Um, nice. Um, okay. So uh, we are going to now. We're going to have a debate, a spirited debate. Mm-hmm. We're looking for some clash on this podcast. And not not just the, not the band, although I do like the Clash. Oh, there's another Clash we could have. Then. Yeah, no, just kidding. Uh, parts of the Clash. <laughs> I always thought that if I had a band, I, this is a weird thought, but I thought if I had a band, it would kind of sound like the Clash, like this easy, like kind of mellow, but still still rock and roll. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you call yeah. them, but that that story went nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, the Clash, Rock the Casbah is a great song. I'll say that. Fuck yeah. I also, anyway, I also. Wait, I will say that. Um, I had this weird thing where I thought um, uh, that Dire Straits song was by the Clash. And, wait, which one? Um, uh, God, this this. <laughs> Sing the song. Sing it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sultan's a swing. Oh yeah. I was like, oh man, I really love that Clash song, and then I was like, oh no no no, that's Dire Straits. You know what's funny is I think I I think I thought that was Marshall Tucker Band until you just said that. That so. there's a, like a 12 minute version of of uh, Dire Straits playing Sultans of Swing from their like 
um, their classic live, you know, eighties. And it's so fucking good. Like I was, I turned it on YouTube. I'm like, this will be fun to listen to in the background. And I had to switch over to it because they were just crushing this, uh, Sultans of Swing and turning into this epic, like, you know, eighties rock meltdown. Um, yeah, it was, well, you know, I bet that does rock live. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, this I, I actually like that song. I it's not um it's exactly the kind of thing that all the punk influenced bands we grew up on were probably reacting against, but whatever. That song is pretty cool. Yeah. I'm down with it. Um okay, let's stop talking about dire straits. Um <laughs> Uh, I never thought that would be a, a theme on the podcast. Go on. Uh, so um, I like uh, Father John Misty. And Paul, you do not like Father John Misty. Um, I think you're wrong. Uh-huh. And I think you think I'm wrong. Yeah, basically. So let's, let's, uh, let's get into this and have a, um, a gentleman's disagreement. All right. Um can I do the dishonorable thing and put the onus on you by making you make your positive case first? Oh, this is just, um, <laughs> uh, this is nefarious. Okay, um, let's play uh, a song by him to start off here. Um, I want to play a song from his first record, uh, 2012's Fear Fun, called uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery Sings. Okay, now... I will admit up front, I have never listened to the song because I haven't listened to his first album. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to make a point with it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you should. That's that's totally fair. Okay. Um, just because I'm ignorant doesn't mean that you're wrong. <laughs> it might. It's a, lot of people, a lot of people take the opposite <laughs> approach. <laughs> True. Forever Cemetery Sings by Father John Misty. Um, I that is the first song by him that I liked, and I uh, got into him before his uh, much more popular second album came out. Um, and so I was coming at him from the angle of this album, uh, which is druggy sixties psych psychedelic uh, tinged indie rock. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, not, um, not too emo, uh, <laughs> more, uh, like, well, if, if someone could be emo and also kind of wandering on a bizarre acid trip at the same time, um, and kind of writing about that experience, uh, then, um, that's, that's what this is. Uh, so, um, you know, and, and this whole album was kind of, um, in that, that, you know, um, drug pop. Can I use mm-hmm. that as the genre? Um, oh, yeah. um, uh, in that vein, um, you know, elements, uh, something, something in there, like what I like about the, some of best coast songs, you know, some of their weirder oh. songs. I, I kind of, I see like, you know, some of that in this, not, it's not the same kind of music, you know, a hundred percent, but there's overlap. Um, yeah. and, uh, so then, um, I just thought it was really interesting. I mean, the story that he tells in that, you know, song where he's like going to these funerals at the Hollywood cemetery. It's like, who's dead? I, why are they there? It seems kind of like a dreamscape. <laughs> I'm like, this is interesting. Like he seems like a weird dude. Um, so then when his second album came out, I love you, honey bear. Um, I heard, you know, he kind of had this legendary performance on David Letterman, um, where he played board in the USA and people were like, what the fuck is this song? It's like, so it's the most depressing song we've ever heard. Um, and this guy's playing it, you know, the song itself has this weird laugh track that he plays during the second half. Um, and it's just so, um, sad uh yeah um and i was like okay so i kind of went from wow this guy has like grown up a little and done something um you know big and um i i I already used the word poppy but he he did something that was more kind of engaged with uh you know popular culture um and then uh, when I heard the album itself, uh, I think it's catchy from beginning to end. Um, and I think the stories are all, um, every song kind of tells a story um, from, you know, uh, you know, an, a, like why, you know, a shitty night at a bar to like, you know, this weird, weird, bizarre love story um, to you know, uh, the last song in the album, I went to the store one day, um, which is kind of about running away to the South. I think I talked about that in an earlier podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, actually let's, let's play part of that. Let's play part. Do you mind that I'm taking this as a monologue at the beginning? No, that's fine. Okay. Although I, uh, two questions. Okay. Two questions. Let's go. Then we'll go. Okay. First of all, was that Aubrey Plaza in that video of that song we just listened to? I've never seen the video. That would be cool. It was Aubrey Plaza and she was eating a bouquet. Nice. And uh, it's hard to dislike that. Yes. Um, <laughs> it is hard. I've, I haven't seen that and I already liked it. Um, uh, I once met her cousin. Oh, really? Yeah, isn't that a fun story? No, it's not. Yeah, it's not. The answer it's, is no. It's, it's almost, it's like the cousin of a good story. Yes. Um, uh, and... Um, uh, I did definitely like the music of that, and um, the lyrics were not uh, immediately objectionable in the way that I'm going to object to his other lyrics. Okay. So, <laughs> is there a second question here? No, that was uh, that was the second observation, okay. second point. I okay. Guess. Um, all right. So we're going to do uh, what was the name of it again? Oh, I went to the store one day. Yeah, let's listen to this one. All right. We met in a parking lot Was buying coffee and cigarettes Firewood and bad wine long since gone 
But I'm still drunk and hot, wide awake, breathing hard. Now in just one year's time I've become jealous, real thin Prone to paranoia when I'm stoned This isn't true love, someone ought to put me in a home Say, do you wanna get married? an end to our endless progressive tendency to scorn provincial concepts like your dowry in your daddy's farm for love to find us of all people I never thought it'd be so. So that song, to me, represents you know shows a quality of of um him that's it's a less cryptic iron uh-huh. iron and wine, um, <laughs> and uh, you know. Um, or perhaps uh, uh, that you know that I relate to more. Um, and while some of the songs on "I Love You, Honey Bear" are a lot more upbeat than that one, um, just in tempo, uh, they they all have that same general uh, atmosphere. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think I can. I'm not sure I can go. Uh, too much further in my explanation of why I like uh, Jay Tillman's music. Um, <laughs> I I just I just do, um, and I might be able to. There might be more um, in response to your uh, in in uh, the rebuttal to your response. Yes. Let us make this a dialogue. Yes. Um, okay. So my position is um, the gov- uh, the like government basic- rests. <laughs> <laughs> his life hangs in the balance um so uh uh the music is is mostly cool like there's interesting stuff it's not like the most forward thinking stuff obviously but it's definitely like a well done version of sort of uh i don't know what i would call it an indie update of classic singer songwriter type tropes Mm -hmm. um which which can be cool nothing inherently wrong with that um my main thing is the dude is just a fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> and his lyrics and not, not like a fun asshole, like a, just like, uh, it, it is repugnant to listen to this guy, uh, uh, propound his philosophy of, of society. As I say, this as somebody who doesn't really like society very much, much like him. Um, but, uh, he is, uh, sort of, incredibly bitter scornfulness towards people that he towards a society that he seems to view as full of subhumans is just uh off-putting to me is my thing um so to use some examples i'm going to focus more on the lyrics in my rebuttal and then um you know feel free to jump in at any time all right but like uh so if we go with the first track off that album uh the track being i love you honey bear um the second album uh, there's a line, um, let's see, the first line, two lines are, oh, honey bear, honey bear, honey bear, mascara, blood, ash, and cum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the Rorschach sheets where we, we make love, honey bear, honey bear, honey bear, you fuck the world damn straight malaise. Um, if we skip on later, um... You're bent over the altar, and the neighbors are complaining that the misanthropes next door are probably conceiving a Damien. Don't they see the darkness rising? Good luck fingering oblivion. <laughs> but that's okay. Two things. Number one, rock lyrics are off, off um, are often hilariously bad when you read them as um, true. You know, Certainly true. Uh, 
poetry. And especially if you do what I did and stack the deck by just yeah. sneering your way through them. But some of that was um, actually kind of funny. Like, wait, did you say they're like conceiving a Damien? Is that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. as in, yeah, like yeah, someone you know, named? The, no, the the Omen movies. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, thought, I thought I'd misunderstood that. And like, they were pissed that like these hipsters were conceiving someone named Damien, like a douchey <laughs> hipster name. Well, it could be either one, but I take it to be an Omen reference. Um, um, anyway, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah. So that could be that could be funny, but the the thing is, this and other songs on this album, like "Bored in the USA," being another prime yeah. example. The 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 th- mindset he's bitching about is like one that he clearly has no experience of and I don't think he's imagined very well. Hmm. Like it's his sort of take on hmm. the uh, dull petit bourgeois um, uh, moron who makes up the American populace. Now, again, I will not be defending the American populace here. Um, but the there this is not to my mind a successful uh construction of the of the other such as we would expect from a good artist you know um, right it's it's condemning without really understanding is how i feel about it it's mm. just seeing sort of people who don't share his uh hipster bohemian values and telling them to fuck off in a particularly nasty way. Um, but so like in Bored in the USA, I think we can tell pretty clearly this is not a song written from his personal perspective. Um, oh, it's okay. So I, I disagree with this. I disagree with that, but continue. Okay. Well, here we go. Um, uh, let's see. How many people rise and say, my brain's so awfully glad to be here for yet another mindless day? Already, this, I, I, I guess he could be t- including himself in there, but it sounds like he's mostly complaining about how stupid everybody else is. Um, now I've got all blah, blah, blah. Uh, now I've got all morning to obsessively accrue a small nation of meaningful objects. Um, then um, how many people rise and think, oh, good, the stranger's body's still here. Our arrangement hasn't changed. Um, now I've got a lifetime to consider all the ways I've grown more disappointing to you. Um, then, uh, oh, they gave me a useless education and a subprime loan. Father John Misty does not have a subprime loan. Um, on a craftsman home, True. keep my prescription filled, and now I can't get off, but I can kind of deal, oh, with being bored in the USA. So uh, maybe he's including himself in this satire here, uh, which is at the the very best you could say of it i think is that it's heavy handed um, it is heavy oh yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's definitely perp- it's heavy handed yes um, this song much more than the others but yes there's there's not a lot of like uh again you know is this what we really think that the life of the middle american is like like sure they probably have moments where they're bummed out no um, so and so do so do i as a person with a mortgage not a subprime loan but a mortgage and a wife and kids but it's not I, so wait i would expect a good artistic representation to do more with it and be a little less sneering. I want personally. i want to break in here and and say yeah. that my interpretation is different completely in that I I don't think that he is writing this about, I don't think it is his sneering view of Mm. a um, middle American. I think Mm. he's writing about the insecurities that people that hipster bohemians have when Mm. they are thinking about through their lives um, at you know, this stage of, um, you know, delayed adulthood in the late 20s, early 30s that many people in New York and L.A. are in where. Well, I would say this is somebody who's already into that adulthood. They have their loan and their wife. Well, yeah, but uh, see, well, yeah, but see, I'm thinking and, and this song may be, you know, a particularly hard place to like to figure out how much he's like considering this viewpoint, like as his own or someone like, you know, whether it's, he's judging someone or, you know, um, 
in despair about it. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. But I think overall he's tends to write about, I, I mean, what, what he says, Oh, you know what he's like, uh, he's got a small nation of meaningful objects and they've got to represent him too. Like uh, that to me is not like, you know, um, that, that to me is like the hipster. Um, Maybe. And, and I think that, uh, you know, in the hipster moving to like Nashville and buying like the craftsman home in East Nashville and like, you know, <laughs> um, trying to figure out like, should they stop partying in New York and like do that or something like that? Like, you know, is that the only fate ahead of them? I mean, yeah. I, I think that from a lot of his music, you know, um, appeals or like connected to me, you know, because I don't of course have the level of like celebrity party lifestyle that Jay Tilbit seems to have. Like, but like he definitely is, you know, like has experience, you know, like I did like being in my like late twenties living in New York city, like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, you know, not having, any kids not having a house like looking at the you know life like the the many choices ahead of me like you know you know that that everything that seemed impossible was also you know should be possible i don't know it's like i don't want to get too far into my personal you know history with it but more saying that i i feel like he's speaking about He's speaking from a more honest perspective than you're than, than you're giving for. him credit for. Yes, yes. Okay, that would be my rebuttal. That's that's reasonable. But he's I would still marshal- an asshole. He's still an <laughs> <Yeah>. asshole. <laughs> I would I would marshal in my favor uh, a Rolling Stone article that happened to pop into my feed recently that I sent to you. Yes, um, where they interviewed him. It wasn't too long. Um, we could put a link when we post this. Um, so the people can decide for themselves. Um, what, what, but uh, yeah. what really but like, bothered you about that one? Well, it just con- it just. I mean, again, maybe this is just confirmation bias, but to me, it it went along. Uh, his answers went along with this interpretation uh, that I'm presenting, where you know, like the first question they asked was like, "So you grew up evangelical? Uh, obviously, you're not anymore. Um, did did you gain anything?" useful from that upbringing and his answer was my Sunday school teacher was a bitch who lied to me like (laughs) it was like first of all it didn't even answer the question uh second of all it failed to answer the question in a way that I think that seems to me to reflect this total disdain for the for other people that he's even been exposed to very closely personally. Um, I grew up evangelical and now don't really subscribe to those beliefs. And um, uh, I think, uh, I don't know. I think you uh, owe it to yourself and the people you uh, knew and once loved to um, try to consider them a little bit more carefully than that. Um, But just, and that's not all. I mean, the other answers continued in that vein of just like, everyone is a lying asshole they're not spiritual like I am and, um, uh, fuck everybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I thought that that, I, the part of that interview that I, I, I liked was him sort of talking about taking acid and going to a Taylor Swift concert. It was, that was cool. Yeah. I'm all for that. I kind of give him more credit in that, that, you know, as, um, you know, a vanguard of the, of hipster bohemia, um, you know, mm-hmm. I probably personally like try like working diligently to like, you know, kind of step out of that flow myself, but, um, mm-hmm. having been at least slight, I guess I was, it's, I feel myself, I was like slightly in it and, um, uh, he, I, well, yeah. l- let me actually, let me back up and say that. I think when it comes to whether to like an artist like him, I actually think about when I was in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, grad school and I was in a a poetry class in grad school and there was this one kid in there who 
I don't know, everyone in this class was like, there were a lot of talented poets in there, but there was the one kid that like from like the very beginning, uh, his name was Kent, um, <laughs> that like everyone's <laughs> like, oh, this kid is, he's the real deal. And it's like, it's because he was kind of an asshole, but we were like, oh, he's the talent, you know, like he's the talented one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, oh, this like kind of asshole, talented kid. You know, part of you is like, man, fuck this guy. But then the other part of you like wants him to live up to his ambition despite him being his asshole cuz you want him to like produce like kind of art that like is representative of your like um you know he's a peer and you want him to like succeed in um you know you want your peers uh to create art that represents you, like even if they're assholes doing it. And yeah. I just, to me, Father yeah. John Missy is kind of like the asshole in your MFA class who's also like really good. And it's like, if he okay. can justify being an asshole, it's worth it. So to me, he justifies it. Yeah. But yeah. Well, yeah. And my version of that, my take on that would be that I don't care whether he is an asshole. What I care about is that his assholeness is poisoning his work with rancor that I think <laughs> <laughs> is making the work not what not that good. That's um, fair. That's there just, it, it's there are plenty of great assholes who've made great art. True. Like Billy Corgan. Um, yes. Well, yes. Huge asshole. He's, uh, <laughs> he's probably the ultimate example uh, in our um, our catalog. Roger Waters. Uh, yeah. Uh, there are many of these. Um, yeah. Jay Z. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I I see what you're saying. My thing is, so uh, I also want to to say that I'm not saying that uh, artists should have to uh, be conventional or love convention or and conventional people, but uh, there's a way to exist in opposition to the mainstream, as I think everybody should try to do. Uh, without being filled with rancor, to use that word again. Um, like, take somebody like Tom York, who <laughs> I think is <laughs> clearly very alienated from standard society. Um, but you don't get the feeling too much that... Like, his work does not just emit bile. Um, at least not to me. Uh, there's disappointment and, again, alienation, sadness, uh, uh, fear... But, um, and even anger, but not just like um, irredeemable, um, just uh, uh, hatred. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my feeling. And I feel like Father John Missy tilts too far that way for me. Um, So that's my case. Why do you you hate hipsters, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also want to say that uh, I do think I went to the store one day is the best song off of his second album. Okay. Okay. It's the least afflicted by this thing I'm complaining about. Yeah. Um, but even there, I mean, he does a pretty good job of, you know, he, uh, of reaching for sentiment. He even acknowledges, uh, some of the complaints I have, I think when he says, um, uh, uh, where is it? Oh, putting into our endless progressive tendency to scorn provincial concepts like your dowry and your daddy's farm. Like it's, it's, He's he's addressing the thing I'm complaining about. Um, <laughs> Here you go. He's um, self. At least he's self-aware. At least in in moments. Um, yeah. But even there, he gets you know he he does a pretty good job of spinning a a, a reasonable uh, peon to his lover. Um, but then, like the third to last line is insert here a sentiment ray our golden years that I just think is dude come on actually write the fucking line. Um, <laughs> That's that's a weak cop out. Oh man. <laughs> anyway, uh so that was a smaller complaint, but but I it's you know, the purpose of a of an artist is to actually do the thing he's supposed to do instead of just like always returning to ironic distance whenever he feels like, Oh shit, I got too too um genuine there. Paul, um, that's that's how our generation communicates, is ironic distance. Maybe we have, we have nothing else. Maybe our generation should go to hell and die then. Um. (laughs) 
I'm trying to buy a house right now with nothing but ironic distance. How's that working? It's, oh man, I have so many houses. I have like eight houses and I'm just, the problem is I'm so distant from all of them that it's very difficult to occupy them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> your dog, your dog will piss in all of them. So yes. Well, yes, that's he, he's the only, that's the only balm against irony is my dog's piss. <laughs> That's that's real life, just erupting with an eye into your... <laughs> um, can I... I got to ask one thing. Have you heard Father John Misty's uh, cover of Heart-Shaped Box? No, but that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> I feel like let's listen to it and see if it makes you... Uh, uh, let's, let's see if it, it makes you happy or angry. Okay. Let's I will say it. Kurt Cobain is a dude who's like... Uh, I, Maybe I should go back and, and assess how Father John Misty's misanthropy compares to Kurt Cobain's misanthropy because there's something wow. more genuine and affirming about how Kurt Cobain hates everybody, I feel like. Yes, he was the master of hating everyone. There's no yeah. everyone and everything. No one yeah. has. I mean, uh, we know he hated himself too, so. Yeah, but, ooh. Um, so um, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to make a joke. I'm saying, you know. No, oh. that might change <laughs> so the way that we was our pre- <laughs> well. I turned that into a really dark joke. So, <laughs> no, I mean I was referring to his suicide. Oh, okay, course, okay, but. yes, yeah. Um, let's see. damn good i'm glad we listened to the whole thing uh maybe uh i think that's pretty fucking good which might in turn be um uh a condemnation of his usual bullshit uh (laughs) that if he just like would cut that shit out and you know write a few you know, uh, vaguely angstful lyrics. He could just let his um, obvious musical talents rip. Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, the big difference there is, uh, you know, the Nirvana lyrics are are poetic. You know, the, well, there's not well, there's a lot of um, you know, there's plenty of irony in Nirvana. Like, never yeah. mind. Um, but that song is actually. Uh, a fairly heart-rending and forthright take on a poisonous relationship um, that is not, I think, marked by the speaker trying to um, sort of uh, push it off his, his uh, anger on other people or, or um, act like, you know, I'm too cool to be this worked up about it in the end. Um, So I don't know. That's why, that's why I respect Kurt Cobain more I mean, personally. You know, in utero, 
the first lyrics of the album mm. are teenage angst has paid off well now i'm bored and old which basically says <laughs> um everything uh that F- father john misty has tried to say in like his album in like one sentence um <laughs> and again though but like but like again with uh, the the way that the that the the bitterness is directed i feel yeah well because personally. it's nirvana it's always like fuck you and fuck me too like and and yeah that to get to the set there is no self-righteousness yeah to, Kurt to Cobain. get to the second half of that father john misty is much more of a takes some gymnastics on the listener's part uh so this yeah. is it's a nirvana connection here is is interesting uh yeah, yeah enlightening um <laughs> And all right, um, yeah. So wow, we we debated uh, FJM for a while. That was actually yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I that. Uh, so I think we'll we'll call an end to the podcast here. I'm gonna I'm gonna do. We gotta do one more Radiohead check. Although I guess you would have gotten pinged by our Twitter bot. Yeah. Uh, presuming that our that our that my bot. Is not broken. I, I still see an all be. white page at radiohead.com. Yep. So we're, we're up to 270 checks oh, from the bot. So. That bot, the bot <laughs> is going to get neurotic by the end of this. <laughs> I feel like anybody who looks at radiohead.com enough blank. Or yes. No will yes. To them. Um, <laughs> if it starts tweeting, like, <laughs> I don't know, like rats and children follow me out of the town. I'm going to be, <laughs> <laughs> be worried. Um, <laughs> anyway okay. yeah uh, good stuff people please follow us at savage beast pod on twitter uh check us out at savagebeastpod.com you can email us at savagebeastpod at gmail.com we are on itunes and uh stitcher and uh we're on google play uh podcasts now that those are a thing um so uh you have no technological excuse not to be in life. Yeah, and you have no excuse to not tell your friends to do all those things um, because you've listened True. this far. So obviously we're good enough uh, for your friends to listen this much as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we do appreciate uh, all the people who have engaged with us, most of whom are our close friends or relatives. But um, um, that's been yeah. fun. Yeah, let's so, get some um, randos in here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, please send us your crazy right-wing conspiracy theories the, about um, uh, why Billy Corgan and Alex Jones are right. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, we're going to go take our shirts off in an ice bar. Uh. <laughs> 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 Peace. Later. Guitar George Now he knows all them fancy chords He just really I'm gonna make that guitar cry and make it sing So